<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, good morning and welcome to The Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press. Uh, my name is Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call. And uh, every once in a while, they let me loose in here. Uh, they, we tie up Bill in the uh, closet space and, you know, try to drive him crazy with uh, our machinations out here. Just want to be very clear. This is all against Bill Press's will. It, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, but we're stronger. <laughs> Uh, That's right. That's right. We have we have a uh, great show today. Uh, we on this Friday, March 29th, ninth, twenty nineteen. Uh, a couple of my colleagues from Roll Call, Jennifer Shutt, who uh, makes her way in checking out appropriations and budget issues, of which the president is very obliging, including at his rallies. Uh, we're going to talk to her about some of the stuff that's going on, including the disaster aid package uh, that's moving through Congress and uh, how it's getting caught up in politics. Oh my God. Uh, we're also going to talk to Clyde McGrady. He's also at CQ Roll Call. Uh, and Clyde is one of those guys that can talk about anything, including college football uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and then we're going to wind things up with talking to the HuffPost, Ryan Riley. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we could possibly talk a little bit about the Mueller report is or something like that. News? <laughs> is that the I don't news? know. I don't know. Something, something like that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, to, Peter and I are going to do our, our trademark banter. And before we even get to that, it's this the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. All right. So I just want to be clear. This is one of those stories that I don't like, but I'm not sure if I don't like it because I'm just because it's not good or because I'm just old and don't understand it. So uh, this is obviously not about iguanas in Florida. No, it's not about iguanas in Florida. This is in in Michigan where Michigan schools are actually weighing whether or not to add a new varsity sport. The varsity sport? Esports. Gaming. Playing video games. Now, there are these huge tournaments that people play Mm -hmm. and uh, they get an audience. Mm -hmm. But are those people athletes? I don't like this story. And again, this is maybe just a sign of the times. And I think if you want a game, game, that's fine. But should you be on the same level as like an athlete? I don't. I, don't I guess. I mean, you, you could you could take it into the direction and say it's it's not about video games. It's just about like uh, the, the sort of level of activity. Is chess a sport? Because people used to watch chess. 
I think you know, that we that, should that get sport? to a point of where we can say this is a game and this is a sport. Yeah. And I don't. And I think that chess is a game. Right. And you can be very, very good at a game, and that's admirable. And you can be very, very good at you know, I don't know any video games that are out there. I would think that it's a sport. You, you Everything need... is Fortnite. To yeah. Me. <laughs> it's all Fortnite. Anything that my kids do that I don't understand. It's oh, Fortnite. they're doing a Fortnite. Yeah. That's just how I say that, it. That's how we date ourselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want to read the first paragraph from this piece, by the way, on Michigan Live. Uh, Jacob Wilbur deftly guides his blacksmith demigod, Oron, across the fields of Summoner's Rift, swinging his hammers at the monsters blocking his path. At stake, death or glory. Sounds like a sport to me. Yeah, uh, sounds, yeah. sounds like a sport. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I, this kind of makes my soul hurt a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. All right, so yesterday was opening day. The Washington Nationals did not get a win. They, uh, they certainly did not. They certainly did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it's, it's, we've seen this movie before. Max it, Scherzer throws a two-hitter, right? and uh, the Nationals did not score poor, a run. Poor base running, bad situational hitting, Yeah, uh, long lines. I, I, at, w- at one point, uh, I went to get a hot dog, and I actually couldn't find the line where it ended. Like I couldn't find. There were so many people there. It was crazy. Which is a good sign, I guess. It you know, was people like it. But you, I could not find where the line was. I was like, I think I'm just gonna have peanuts. You know, I thought this was really nice. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Trey Turner actually visited a child in the cancer ward and promised him he was gonna ground out to second. Right. And he did. Right. You know, <laughs> dreams come true. <laughs> Uh, but but Bryce Harper did start uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies just up the way. With some green shoes. With some green shoes. The Athletic a website actually surveyed players across all of Major League Baseball and asked them who is the most overrated player in the game. And for the second consecutive year, folks. Bryce Harper. It's Bryce Harper. They actually asked Bryce Harper about this. USA Today asked him, what do you think about that? And he says, I don't really know know what to say i mean i don't have an answer i have Thank no you to idea the academy <laughs> yeah 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 pretty much <laughs> this is the bill press show we are back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, oh, I don't know, maybe let's talk about the president. Uh, he, he has a way of uh, steering the conversation when it comes to politics. And uh, this, this, it has been a rather eventful week, uh, not even counting the uh, delivery of the special counsel's report by Robert Mueller to the attorney general uh, that started one week ago and sort of gave us a little bit of drama over the weekend. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's been it's, it's hard to believe it was only a week ago because it, uh, it again, it's one of those Trump weeks where, it, you know, you just pack quite a bit into it. Um, on Sunday, we got this, um, you know, summary uh, sort of book report of the uh, 300 page Mueller report by the attorney general, William Barr. He said, you know, Robert Mueller says there is there was no collusion uh, by anybody on the Trump campaign with the Russians. Uh, and then he also said that there the he, Again, quoting Mueller, we didn't really see a whole lot from the report itself. Um, that that there was no, there was neither enough to indict on obstruction of justice by by the president, nor to exonerate. And then William Barr and the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein just went ahead and said, like, uh, "Yep, we don't have enough. Like, let's it's time to move on." Now, this uh, there is no. We still haven't seen the report, uh, so I mean, th- this is a this is a novel. You know, three hundred words is is a novel, so I, we still don't know what exactly it says. I want to ask you a question because I asked Bill about this. Neither one of us were totally sure about it. 
but yesterday, as you mentioned, we found out that it was 300 pages right. in this report, which is a lot. That's a, that's a good-sized book. Yeah. It's really hard to take 300 pages and distill the essence of those pages into four pages, which is what uh, Attorney General Barr said. But I had asked – Bill and I were talking about this the mm-hmm. other day. Uh, if Attorney General Barr misrepresented what was in the Mueller report, is there anything that stops Robert Mueller from coming out and saying, wait a minute, that's not what I said. And I, I'm not trying to defend uh, Barr or Trump or anybody like that, but yesterday Rush Limbaugh, who, who rarely ever does TV, he went on Fox News and sort of wondered the same thing. If it contains evidence of collusion, then where is Mueller on television all night saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not what my report says. My report has plenty of evidence of collusion. So as hard as it may be for some people in the media to believe, uh, not everybody wants to be, go on television. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that that was that's kind of what I thought. It does not sound like Robert Mueller's uh, idea of a good time uh, yeah. is to go on Fox News uh, or or MSNBC or CNN or, or you know or you know the local Fox affiliate sure. in Friendship Heights. Um, I mean, he probably would not do that. And um, that's not something that he right. did at all. I just my my question is more about look if they are saying you know this is a total exoneration, which right. is what all of the, uh, what Trump and his allies are all saying, uh, which it doesn't. I mean, it, it very pointed. Even Barr, even quotes, Barr's letter, yeah, qu- quotes you know Mueller as saying it does not exonerate him on ex- obstruction of justice. Yeah, I would just yeah. wonder at some point if it's being completely given in bad faith. I if mean, Mueller or a <clears throat> spokesperson comes out and just clarifies, or maybe he's just waiting to be subpoenaed to come and talk. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Mueller is one of those people who, like, he really doesn't have anything to prove to anybody, right? I mean, he, he, you know, he spent almost two years on this report. It sounds, you know, if if nothing, it is lengthy. Uh, <laughs> we can we can surmise that. Um, you know, the the let's also not lose track of the fact that you know several people have gone to prison, have been indicted. Uh, have been fined, you know, the, the Paul Manaforts, the George Papadopoulos of the world, um, you know, the Roger Stones. I mean, the, the, this is a wide-ranging, you know, enterprise and episode in our in our history. And it, I, I mean, again, this is this isn't going on as much, you know, of of my anything besides my personal observation. But Barr himself seems to be also like, I don't need this job. And I'm here to just kind of move things along so that we, you know, like the, the, in this really strange part of our history, we can just kind of kind of move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are a lot of uh, people who are um, feeling a little conspiratorial about all of it. And I think that's fair, by the way. I'm, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. <laughs> and, th- and there are plenty of people who say, like, I mean, this proves that the, the, the Trump people are too dumb to engage in sure. a conspiracy. Sure, sure, you know, they, sure. They're actually incapable of it. But I think that a guy like uh, William Barr, who, um, who, who by most accounts is a serious person, right? He's not a Trump sycophant who right. was there from day one or anything like that. If he was to put out something that was completely contradictory of the Mueller report, we would find out about it. Probably, yeah. We would find out about it. And I think that two <clears throat> things can be true. I think that what he put out is truthy. Has has elements of truthiness, elements as of your fellow truthiness. South Carolina, yeah. Carolinians, uh, Stephen Colbert would say. I think there are elements of truthiness in yeah. it, and I also think that you could also say that Robert Mueller maybe didn't do as thorough of an investigation as he should have. Well, he, I mean, he didn't. 
one one thing that hampered that, of course, was the president himself. Who of course, re- refused to be interviewed. Yeah, I mean, they, they you know, they they the lawyer, his lawyers did a really good job knowing that he would probably say something dumb or indictable uh, in in the course of an interview with somebody who's as good a prosecutor uh, as right. as Robert Mueller. But it is it is kind of you know interesting. Also, I I I'm surprised that we haven't seen the report yet. Yeah, um, me our, too. Our, uh, our our neighbor uh, Tim Krep, uh, one of the things that he uh, tweeted uh, a couple of days ago, and keep in mind that Tim, even though he's uh, you know kind of a hail fellow well met at, at Peregrine downstairs with co- <laughs> coffee, uh, he's also a former intelligence officer for the United States Navy. So I mean he's he has a, a little bit of a dabble in these things. Um, anyway, Tim uh, tweeted, uh, "How long has it been since you know we've gone more than a week without seeing something incredibly sensitive and crazy like come out?" I mean, like, he, and I, I was right there with him. I thought, "Yeah, I, I, I would think that this thing would be in the public domain at a certain point." Um, it also it does go against our our history of these sort of reports not being released at least to Congress. Leon Jaworski. When he, uh, you know, when he delivered his Watergate, you know, re- report, special counsel report, he delivered the whole thing. Uh, Ken Starr, I mean, I, I have a bound version of the Starr report. I was I, like, I, I was trying to tell uh, someone who was not really around for the the Ken Starr stuff. That's most people, Peter. We're just I know. We're, we're old I know, as I dirt. I, am, I hate I'm, to tell you that. <laughs> I'm of a certain age where I remember it very well. But like that was a bestseller. It right. was a New York Times bestseller because this was like pre ebook and right. internet uh, stuff and so they they printed it put it out in bookstores and people yeah. flocked and bought it because they wanted to read things about cigars yeah it was uh, and, mostly and, because of the salacious details yeah. which uh, you know again my my one of my favorite uh, uh little tidbits about that too is that one of the one of the people who worked on the Star Report and one of was on Ken Starr's team, of course, is none other than Brett Kavanaugh, for the current, the newest Supreme Court yeah. justice in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but you know, one of the things that I also found fascinating about this, and we can we can get into it a little bit more detail when uh, when Ryan is on the show a little bit later on, is that um, on Monday, you know, Trump is you know is is really taking up the mantle of. Uh, you know, like just total exoneration, lots of all caps in the tweets. You know, I mean, just just so there was so much, uh, you know, good cheer in the land of Trump uh, on, on 1600 Pennsylvania. And then that evening he instructs his Justice Department to file a brief uh, in a uh, circuit court uh, decision that is o- overseeing a, a case concerning the Affordable Care Act and saying, I know we previously just said there was a couple of things that we thought were unconstitutional, but we want the whole thing scrapped. And it was like, oh, I mean, if if you're a Democratic strategist, you're like, this is like a gift from God. What's the catch? Like we were we were de- completely deflated by the fact that we didn't have a lot to hang on the Mueller stuff. And now this guy puts health care, which we totally won on in 2018. I mean, we picked up like 40 seats in the in the in the United States House because we just relentlessly pushed health care as a message in the midterms. And it was kind of dead. And then the president brings it back. And all of a sudden, 20 million, maybe 50 million people have to worry about losing their health care. It's like, thank you, Mr. President. You, <laughs> you really do kind of have to wonder what drives him. Right. Is it just the fight? He just loves a fight. I, I, I well, I mean, the, so there was a story in the post. Because the there's going to be a yeah. fight over this. Right. <laughs> speaking, speaking of more fellow South Carolinians. 
Uh, there was a story in the Post and in Politico too about how Mick Mulvaney, yeah. you know, the, the acting chief of staff and the director of uh, office of management and budget, um, and, and you know that he's been the one who's saying like, no, 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 we got to get rid of the whole thing, and <laughs> and and apparently, you know. So maybe Mulvaney wasn't surprised at this, but like the you know the stories start coming out like William Barr, not a fan of this. Alex Azar, the uh, HHS secretary, not a fan of it. Kevin McCarthy, not a fan. <laughs> I mean, just all the way down the line because they saw like how they just got hit over the head by a two by four in the elections. You know that, that focused on health care, and then you know Trump doing what he does. He's in the Oval Office. He's like. Oh, you know, if, if if they scrap Obamacare, if this and this is in the Fifth Circuit, uh, which is a fairly conservative circuit court, um, but you know, if they if they scrap this thing, we'll have a, a new uh, new health care package ready, you know, to go that'll be better than Obamacare. And then you talk to members of Congress, and they're like, "Nope, we have nothing like that," because they're Republicans. They have they've they've had almost ten years to come up with their own alternative, and it's not happened. I will admit, I I almost fell for it a little bit because I was I saw a tweet the other day in regards to to this, and they're just saying like, uh, just a reminder that we're about a generation away from Republicans running on a platform saying we are the only ones who can address this climate emergency now that it is affecting everybody. After years and years and years and years and years of being like, we don't want to do anything about it. We're not. It's not real. It's a hoax. It's not something that we're going to take seriously. Um, uh, but I could see them say, like Trump's lesson from the 2018 midterms could have been, oh, the Republicans or the Democrats won on health care. We're going to take up health care now. Right. But that's as far of a plan as he's got. Well, and, and, you know, he went up to Capitol Hill that, you know, every Tuesday, the sort of the big lunch, they have, they have lunch every, every day on Capitol Hill, but on Tuesday yeah. are, the, are the big policy lunches where, Reporters go crazy and in, in covering people, and and because McConnell and Schumer come out to the microphones and give us a few little scraps of information. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but so you and yeah. all of your other hungry dogs there, bounce <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, so Trump went up there to you know kind of strut around and talk about how great things were, and he says we're going to be the party of healthcare, and it was like I don't know, it's just kind of funny, you know, because <laughs> uh, you know be, because. This was not something I think that that Mitch McConnell, you know, the Senate Majority Leader McCarthy, any of these people really thought they were going to have to deal with. It, you know, it's just like it's like what we I mean, we, we're supposed to be continue talking about the Mueller report and all caps exoneration. You know, like, <laughs> like what's going on here? Like, I thought it was interesting last <laughs> night. Trump echoing some Republicans in 2018 uh, last night when he was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, because like. There were multiple Republicans who were actively fighting against pre-existing conditions and right. preserving the pre-existing conditions. They 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 were fighting to strip them right. away from people, uh, who would then publicly say, "I'm fighting to keep them in place." Right. Where Donald Trump last night in Grand Rapids kind of said the same thing. And I'm speaking now for the Republican Party. We will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Always. Always. Yeah, always. I mean, it, always. He says it always. with such such conviction, right? And 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 again, not to get you know, not to get too uh, policy driven or so, but one of the reasons this is again just Jason Dick's theory um, that that it's been so difficult for the Republicans to come up with an alternative to Obamacare is that Obamacare 
basically is the Republican plan. I mean, this is what Mitt Romney signed into law when he was governor of Massachusetts. I mean, this was the compromise. I mean, the compromise, you know, if, if you're going to cover everybody, if you're going to cover people with, you know, pre-existing conditions and, 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 you know, and extend protections like that, you have to have some way of bringing more healthy people into the mix. And so that, I mean, like this, this whole like apparatus, the entire apparatus that, that Obamacare like devised, I mean, love it or hate it. I mean, it, it is a system of things that like actually like that this leads to this and this leads to this. And you, you, if you want preexisting conditions, then you have to have a number of people in the pool itself. And so it's, that's the reason it's so difficult to come up with you know, an alternative is is that this was the compromise come up with stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is this is like the entry point right. to any real healthcare reform. And it's funny, right? Because you know, you hear some people say it, it really takes probably ten years to feel any like some of this meaningful big legislation. You really won't notice any changes until you know, like eight or ten years down right. the road, right? And I think there were a lot of people who were a lot of Democrats who were annoyed with uh, the Affordable Care Act because it didn't go far enough. Didn't have a public option. They saw it for exactly what you said. It's Mitt Romney's plan, and therefore it's it's not going to be the best plan that we could come up with. And now, and then the Republicans hated it, and it was Satan because Barack Obama did it, right? And so now that people have seen how good it is, um, you can see the Republicans have, what what is it, about eight-ish years? Uh, so, so, well, it's not nine. It's, it was signed nine. into law, yeah, in uh, in twenty ten. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so it's been it's been nine years now. It was, yeah, it was just the anniversary of the, of that's the right. signing. That's uh, right. Just, that's just right. Just a couple weeks ago. So, all of these Republicans that hated it because Obama did it have now literally had their lives saved by it. Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them have seen that happen, and they've seen their loved ones be able to get health uh, coverage. And you have Democrats saying like, "Okay, well, this, we now we." have proven that we can do this in a meaningful way. Let's take it further. Right. And so, you know, maybe we'll get Medicare for all, and in another 10 years people will like that. Right. You know, who knows? But that's just kind of how it goes. Well, and, and also if you see, if, if you pay attention to what, you know, say Mitch McConnell talks about when he's on the floor, you know, there, there are these leadership remarks, and, and then he'll, you know, he'll be, basically act as a prompt for several of his, you know, lieutenants to come up and talk about the same thing. The last few weeks, it's been about uh, the Green New Deal and how this is going to ban cows and hamburgers um, and cars and and judges and how important judges are. And we'll get to that in a minute, too. Um, and and I mean, there was no mention of health care. Now, you know, like for and for years, McConnell used to come and use these leadership remarks to say, you know, Obamacare needs to be, you know, taken out root and branch, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it was like this sort of thing, like, I got to pay, I got to do this, but like, whatever, you know, I know it's never going to happen until we have two houses and a, and a Republican president. Well, they tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, when, when they controlled both chambers of Congress and had a Republican president, they were not able to get rid of, you know, the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, even though they they probably know that they have to say like, yeah, you know, we we still we still hate Obamacare, but they're not. You know, they were probably willing to just kind of let it go and just let it fade into the 
into the woodwork and then in the states let people like Matt Bevan who's the you know governor of Kentucky you know require like people with no legs to have to do like landscaping or whatever to to get right. in order to get Medicaid right uh, you know and and you know we can we can like go and we can like kind of you know instill work requirements and make it more difficult you know for people to get health care but we're not going to try to get rid of the Obamacare uh, you know uh, framework and then Trump puts it right front and center <laughs> again and it's like and they're like what what do we what 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 is happening here <laughs> like what is happening <laughs> i i honestly just think that uh trump's 90% of his political strategy is just picking a fight right maybe 95% <laughs> but like he just loves picking a fight yeah. and it doesn't matter whether or not he thinks he can win it or lose it like he doesn't view things the way that you and i or anybody else views things uh it, the the fight is the goal right not the win and the because the, the win he can right. sort out and make a win whatever he wants it to be further down the line right. the goal is to get the fight right and and so speaking of those judges that mcconnell likes to talk about um so this week in court not not a good week for for Republicans on on healthcare, you know the the well, I mean you can debate about about the uh, the filing in the Fifth Circuit, uh, and and what the effect may be, but the the administration has uh, well, they've signed off on a couple of uh, of 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 ways of changing healthcare. So they signed off on Kentucky and Arkansas adding work requirements to Medicaid. Uh, federal federal judge said you can't do that. And here's the reason why. And the and, and the same judge had struck them down before. And the reason that he struck them down is it's like, you know, this this Medicare Medicaid is a health care program. It's a social welfare program. And the way that you're changing it in requiring these, you know, sort of work requirements. And, and you know, he mentioned that there were people who w- had jobs and were and were working and in order so that they could keep their Medicaid. But they like fell behind on the reporting requirements for it and lost the lost the job or, or they, they lost the med, the lost their health care and then they lost a job and so forth. It was just like this crazy, you know, kind of Kafka like bureaucratic system that the judge said, like, you're failing you're failing to execute the purpose of this program, which is to provide health care for people who don't have a lot of money. And so they lost on that. And then yesterday they lost another one. Uh, where HHS had signed off on 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 these association health plans, which allowed different businesses to band together and provide health care ac- across, you know, like a, a, a you know several different types of, of businesses, and they and a court struck those down too. So it has not been a very good week. And just coincidentally, uh, next week the Senate is going to uh, debate a resolution that would, uh, you know, significantly reduce the amount of time it takes to confirm a judge, uh, in, <laughs> in the United States Senate. Cause it's not, it's not enough how quickly, uh, Mitch McConnell has been, I mean, he has been filling up the judicial ranks. I mean, he, he's the one who created a backlog himself by not allowing very many judges to come to the floor, not just Merrick Garland for the Supreme Court, but several district and circuit court nominees. He basically, you know, stood astride like a colossus on the floor and and said, you know, you shall not pass. Uh, (laughs) I think it was like 15 judges or something like that in Obama's last two years. I mean, it was a monumentally slow, slow down of the process. Um, Well, I mean, that sped back up once Trump, you know, got into office. I, I wonder why. I I've, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Um, you know, I, I guess it was just time. You know, <laughs> yeah, it had to you know. Um, so and and you know, the Democrats not feeling very like they wanted to play nice, especially after the Garland thing. 
Um, they've done what what they can within the rules, which is require 30 hours of debate, you know, for a, a you know, to, to cut off debate, the cloture motion, and another 30 hours of debate until the, they can um, confirm them. And, you know, that you know, McConnell's just not really all that happy. And, and you know, the, the Senate is, for the most part, um, becoming a confirmation machine. I mean, like, the, 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 this is this is what they do now. There isn't a ton of substantive legislation um, that is, is coming across the transom uh, right now. So we're going to, this is, they're going to speed that up. I think it's going to go from, for district court nominees and sub-cabinet level executive nominees, it's going from, like, 30 hours to, like, two hours or something like that. So they're just gonna, crazy. They're gonna they're gonna crank it up. Let me just say, it's great that after the 80th time of getting kicked in the ass, the Democrats got serious about this. That's great. I'm glad that they're <laughs> taking it seriously. Uh, that's a record for the Democratic Party. Uh, but but you know, th- th- this is something that has been going on for quite some time, and it's just so naked right now. Mm-hmm. And it's that uh, Repub- the Republican Party in general realizes, and they know. That if they have to go out and sell their ideas to the American people, they're not going to win. They're just not going to win. Across the board, a a number of issues, right? People think the Republican Party is wrong. Okay, so how do you save those dying ideas in a uh, democratic society? Well, you pack the court with a ton of judges who have the same dying philosophy as your party who will preserve it. At any cost. That's what the Supreme Court is all about. I, and, like, look, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I know Mitch McConnell is a, is a villain to a lot of people that watch the show, and I'm not a fan. I think I've been very, very clear about that, right? But, like, <clears throat> in terms of what his job is and to try and push the Republican agenda forward, he is finding new diabolical ways to make it happen. <laughs> I wish Democrats had a Mitch McConnell. They don't. They, but uh, they do they, not. They, they really don't. I mean, it, you know, I, I was at this this um, small conference uh, on Tuesday uh, at, at the press club about restoring civility in public discourse. Uh, that went far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that um, it, there was one panel that was Chris Coons, uh, the uh, Democratic senator from Delaware and, and former Senator Jeff Flake. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Republican from Arizona, which is the best state we all know, um, <laughs> and and one of the things that Coons was saying was that you know the 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 you know the the ability to reclaim the the agenda from leadership in some small way is is one of the the big challenges for people like him because he he gets a lot of guff from his leadership for working with Republicans for trying to work with people like Roger Wicker um, or you know Jeff Flake in previous Congresses. And, and and it was interesting that the way he described it, he's like, you know, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Harry Reid are knife fighters. You know, they're 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 people who are um, they're there to get things done in, in in ways that are beneficial for the party, but they're not legislative visionaries and they're not there really to to like articulate a vision for the country. And I thought like that is what is one of the things that's missing, you know, and I thought that that was really well put by Coons, is that you you want in your leadership, you know, the, the people who really are knife, these knife fighters, you know, that, that can get stuff done. But you have to have people like Coons and you have to have more people like him who want to be like, I want to work on like a weird data privacy bill with like a Republican <laughs> right. so they can actually get done. Because yeah. that is the kind of stuff that like needs to be done. And there's just not that enough of it. So, I think that's fair. That's yeah. a very fair point. 
So we're going to uh, take a small little break, and we're going to bring in Jennifer Shutt, uh, our budget and appropriations reporter from CQ Roll Call. We're going to talk about this disaster uh, that is the disaster aid package moving through Congress. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. I'm Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at CQ Roll Call, and I'm joined by my colleague Jennifer Shutt uh, at CQ Roll Call, who covers the budget and appropriations process. Uh, welcome, Jen. Thanks. It's great to be here, bright and early Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been sleeping in, but yeah. your friend Jason said, "Like, hey, how would you like to get up at like six And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds exactly like what I was planning to do on my Friday." And before we get into uh, talking about like the, this again, this disaster of a disaster aid uh, package that moving through Congress. Uh, let's just recap our short little conversation here, which we were talking about tacos. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think everybody should know that. Did someone call my name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Washington Post and it's uh, one of its intrepid food critics, Tim Carmen, has uh, the best tacos in the Washington area uh, in the, this, this, uh, the weekend section. Uh, I, you know, being from Arizona, I, as, as you may suspect, I have a bit of a, an affinity for tacos. Um, actually, the best... The best taco place in Cottonwood, my hometown, is in a gas station. It's Juanita's Taqueria. It's amazing. Um, it's it's incredible food. Wait, is um, it the place with the blue drink? No, no, the, okay. the the mother future. Uh, yeah, yes, I was no, like, I can't no, say the name. No, <laughs> there, no, so there is another place by that. So that that's in Glendale, or oh, that's okay. where my mother lives. Uh, there's a uh, uh, this place called Cafe, uh, uh, Taco Mich Dos. Uh, and they're on on the. I mean, it's one of these places. These crazy. It's got like fifty thousand things on the menu, and everything. Nothing is like more than like a two dollars or something like that. And one of the uh, they 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 have this sign of like all the drinks, and one of the drinks was this like strange blue concoction uh, for six dollars, which is by far like the most expensive thing on the menu. And and the drink itself is called Adios Mother Future. Oh, oh, nice. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Which is unclear if they were just trying to get around FCC guidelines, sure, or whether that. it's just misspelled. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the correct answer know. is it really doesn't matter. <laughs> right? It looks like Windex. Yeah, because uh, like, you're going to be hurt uh, for so. Uh, so we were we were uh, we were talking about tacos, and one of the things that came up is uh, not just breakfast tacos, not just lunch tacos and dinner tacos, but dessert tacos. Very Gen- controversial. Like, what? How? How do you feel about this? I have being from rural northern Pennsylvania. I have a we had, I had a lot of exposure to tacos growing up, like authentic tacos. <laughs> no sarcasm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I'm very skeptical about dessert tacos. I've never really tried them. I've always just sort of looked mm-hmm. at them and been like, no. Yeah, like the the Conan you talked about this a lot on his show. The Choco Taco, it was it just became a throwaway line. He would just say like as a non sequitur. Oh, by the way, Andy, Choco Taco, Choco Taco, <laughs> which is like a you know a, a, it's like an ice cream taco. Yeah, um, no dessert tacos, yay or nay, Peter? Uh, the correct answer is no, no. <laughs> All right, good. No, no to no to the Choco I'm Taco. A, it's a hard no. I, 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 let me just say this: I've had a Choco Taco. Mm-hmm. They're delicious. Oh, but would I put it in the category of like a, an actual taco? No, I would not. But that's about as far as I mean. What it's other? Like an ice cream sandwich? Yeah, it's, it's not exactly really like the is. same thing as a ham on rye. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. You're. 
Right. Exactly. That's exactly. You just made my point in a way that I. You, could, I you don't do get this well. kind of political analysis anywhere else, That's ladies right. and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on the, right. the Bill Press Show. Bill, Bill is like, I really shouldn't have left them alone. Yeah. <laughs> Bill in the closet down the hall screaming, please let me have my show back. He's got the Hannibal Lecter mask on. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet, Bill. <laughs> I have to awkwardly exit and call the police. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what, uh, other, and, what other dessert tacos are there? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying is I've never seen a dessert taco where I was like, I want to try that. That looks like someone did something well. Right. Yeah. So they're like, like tapioca or something like that, or you know, Ooh, I, don't know. Know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't that think that's the right answer. I was hungry and I'm not anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I, I will. I will. I, I will make the suggestion that I, I did to Jen too. That like that after after the show, go to Little Pearl. Get their little uh, uh, like black olive cake uh, at at Ninth, Ninth uh, and Pennsylvania. It's amazing. It's an, an incredible like dessert, and and it's kind of a savory dessert. It's good. I don't love olives. Uh, what? I don't love olives. Neither Thank one of you. you. Like, like, olives are gross. Like olives? So, yeah, so many olives. It's like one of the here. few things I won't eat. <laughs> I don't like olives though. Yeah, they're weird. You picked olives as the thing you don't. I just eat. don't like them that much. I just don't like them that much. I don't like olives. I don't Listen. like bananas. Those are like my two things. <laughs> Those are my two bugaboos that I won't eat. Next time I come in, I'm just gonna bring you olives and bananas and <laughs> it, silently leave them in the. We won't booth. be friends anymore. They're not for me. It's like it for me. <laughs> I'm learning so much. It's yeah. just really great. We've all grown a lot during this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really grown closer. Uh, speaking of growth. Yeah. Um, does the president understand how the budget process works, Jen? No. He doesn't? <laughs> Do it. We, we have this clip, right, from, from Grand Rapids last night, Peter, uh, him talking about the, the Great Lakes Initiative. So. For those uh, of you who were maybe catching up on, I don't know, Sports Center or something, anything else. anything else, one of the things that the president said last night was he went before a, a rally, uh, a MAGA rally in Grand Rapids, and he said, we'll fully fund the Great Lakes Initiative. This is a um, multi-year, multi-state uh, compact that provides for the cleaning up of the Great Lakes uh, and, and the overall health. I mean, uh, the Great Lakes provide 25% of the world's fresh water, so it's a, probably a good idea to take care of them. Uh, and and this came on on uh, so he, he he said we are we are not going to uh, allow any cuts to the Great Lakes uh, initiative. Full funding of three hundred million dollars for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. So uh, in his budget, he his propo- budget request his budget request yes his budget request uh, that came out. Um, was it this year? This month? Uh, it, it's been a long month. It's still March, right? I think it's still March. So it's still March, yes. Yeah. Um, April is not the coolest month. March is. Uh, not, and not just because it's my birthday month. <laughs> um, so in his budget request, he requested that there be $30 million for the Great Lakes Restoration Fund, which is a roughly 90% cut from the what he said that he would fund it at, that $300 million. And and granted, you know, like this 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 plays well in Michigan because Michigan, um, you know, if 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 you've seen the uh, American Pie movies, you know that there are beaches in uh, in the Great Lakes, and people go to like they, they there's recreation there. There used yeah, to be that's commercial what everyone fishing. took away from right. the American Pie movies. I, absolutely, <laughs> for me. That's your takeaway. <laughs> I don't remember that. First of all, I, I watched the first one. I guess. <laughs> There yeah, were more, okay. right? I saw the second one. Okay. And in the week. only only place that's appropriate to see American Pie 2, which is a drive-in movie theater in West Virginia. 
Okay. Right. It was a double feature of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and American Pie 2. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No one was getting high. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't imagine. Oh, I'm was, a little stoned just hearing you say that. <laughs> so, but so, sorry, little sidebar. We will eventually get to talking about the budget and appropriations. But the one when point we're, talk, we're done talking about bad movies, weed, and tacos. Yeah, we'll get there. But at, at one point, at one point, we're watching. Like, I don't know if you've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Of course, I've uh, seen. Okay. Come on. Well, I did. I didn't know rural Pennsylvania and all that. You know, uh, not much to do up there. <laughs> Just let, <laughs> let, let, still have movie uh, movie stores, uh, video stores. Um, You're joking. At, at, at one point, you know, there's this scene where they uh, they they hook up with Scooby Doo and and the Mystery Machine, right? Obviously. So and it gets all it gets a little hanky there, you know, and that's the point where actually the film broke, <laughs> <laughs> which is like it just kind of like goes, which you can only imagine what was like. And this is when it was actually still film. Um, I think most, well, there aren't that many drive-in movie theaters left, but drive-ins, you know, now I think are almost all digital projection, like most movie theaters are. Anyway, uh, yes, that is what I took away from American Pie too. That people like to go to the beach uh, in the summer in Michigan on, right. the, on the Great Lakes. All right. <laughs> okay, that's not what I took from it. <laughs> but that's okay. That's... You know, I get it. Uh, should I try to steer us back towards like funding, or <laughs> yes, just like do. let this keep please going? Please help us. So, okay. uh, like that's pop. That's a popular position in Michigan. Probably whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or whatever, is that we should take care of like you know this like this place that means a lot to us and yeah. helps define the the geography and the and the culture of the place. Uh, earlier in the week, Betsy DeVos, who's the Education Secretary. Uh, got hammered in in Congress, including by Republicans, uh, for the administration's budget request to completely uh, cut off all federal funding to the Special Olympics. Um, and as as our colleague Neil Zasniewski pointed out, this was never really going to happen. Most uh, especially because the top appropriator in the in the Senate uh, for these educational programs and cultural programs is none other than Roy Blunt, uh, who last week was in Abu Dhabi at the Special Olympics, specifically to see, like, the Special Olympics, and whose state is the home to the largest training facility uh, for the for Special Olympians. So this wasn't going to happen, like, anyway, and this is one of those, like, oldies but goodies, you know, that they trot out in the budgets where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut all funding to the UN, and we're going to cut all funding to AmeriCorps, and, and then it always gets restored. But... It, and then Trump said, "No, we're we're not going to do that. We're going to. I'm just finding out about it now. Um, and and my, you know, I've told my staff we're going to fund the, the Special Olympics. And it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, in general, the president isn't super involved in <laughs> these kind of detailed policy decisions. I feel like we've seen that in reporting for pretty much the entire administration. Right? It's like, don't give him a detailed policy briefing right. booklet." Give him a simple one pager with maybe some bullet points and right. very clear language. Right. Um, so I don't think he's been particularly involved in the administration's budget request process. It's also their third one, right? Like this isn't a new these aren't new proposals, right? right? The the proposal to completely eliminate the Special Olympics line item came in their fiscal eighteen and fiscal nineteen budget requests. This wasn't the first time Betsy DeVos was getting criticized for this on the Hill, but this is the first time that kind of the national press corps 
picked it up and ran with it, right? right? Like we've covered it the past two years. And so I was a little bit surprised that everyone was like, oh, they're trying to do this. And I was like, they did this for two years. Why are we surprised they did it again? Congress ignored them for the past two years. They right. actually increased <clears throat> funding for that Special Olympics line item from I think about 10 million to about like 17.5 million in the mm-hmm. current fiscal year. So Congress is clearly not going to be cutting spending for that. They're right. also not going to be cutting any funding for the Great Lakes restorative initiatives. And and also the, I mean this gets into some of the fictions that we work with when we're covering budget and appropriations, which is that um, in order to make things, you know, kind of add up uh, in your budget request, which is really more of a political document than anything else. Exactly. You, you have to say, you know, if you're a Republican, we're going to cut taxes and increase spending on the military and, and, and you know, do all these goodies. And if you're a Democrat, you say, like, we're going to shore up Social Security and Medicare and shore up Obamacare. and We're going to spend more money on education programs. And we're going to soak the rich, you know, and, and, I mean, and, and, and then they go nowhere. <laughs> Yeah. Like they go nowhere. And actually what your um my, my favorite, you know, sort of thing on this is that the, this we, we always cover the budget request like, as if it matters, right? I mean and but really what matters is what's coming sometime probably in the next month or so, which are like very specific allocations for the departments. Uh the so called three oh two Bs. I just like to call them the killer bees. Woo! Jazz hands. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> uh I know we're getting a little wonky here, but I mean that's what's really important. Yeah. Um, and and so and, for anyone not really versed in the really exciting congressional budget appropriations <laughs> process, I'm listening. The, every every year, preferably by September 30th, but mm-hmm. never by September 30th, Congress right. is supposed to pass 12 annual spending bills. Those fund the discretionary part of federal spending, which is roughly one third. Right of all federal spending. The other two thirds, which is mandatory spending, things like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, they're on autopilot. They're not handled through this annual process. So even when you get a government shutdown, it doesn't impact those entitlement programs. But the government shutdown, as you as you uh, noted, like they rarely get they rarely pass all the bills by September 30th. I think the last time it happened was in 1994. Yeah, last time it happened on time <laughs> yeah, was 1994. On, on I think for fiscal 95. Yeah, it, yeah. it was, and then the Democrats lost the House and Senate. <laughs> so you're not even really rewarded. <laughs> like the lesson Don't is remind there. Don't them. <laughs> Tell them that a functioning appropriations process is the is what every voter wants. It really no. is, is it? That's <laughs> what I want. Just me, um, in my corner. But like the but the we do get a little hung up on these budget. Like resolutions, right? I mean, and they the this year they were they came up late. They or the budget request was delivered late from the administration uh, because of the shutdown. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of a distraction apparently in the White House over the shutdown, so it came late. It's supposed to be the first Tuesday of February or something like that. First Monday. Of February, first first, first Monday of February. Uh, it ended up being more the first Monday March ish <laughs> ish. Well, um, and then part of it, and then and it wasn't the even next, right the next Monday. Right, and it wasn't so even why do it all on the same day? Right, it wasn't even really all there. Uh, and then then what's supposed to happen <laughs> is each chamber, you know, crafts a budget resolution that will basically set that like those those high end goals, the top lines, right? Like no. For, <laughs> no? The but oh my gosh. Are you trying to get me going on my Hoyer Schoolies colloquy <laughs> rant? Because I almost lost it yesterday. Oh you did? Oh god. Did you not see my angry tweet storm? So the I budget didn't, resolution. I didn't I took the day off so I could go to the Nationals game. <laughs> 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 
Great. I, so a, glad for you. This is a mentally healthy thing to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's good. I believe you millennials call it self-care. Yes. <laughs> so the there's this 2011 law known as the Budget Control Act, and that sets caps on discretionary spending through the end of fiscal 2021. And if yes. we don't get some type of spending caps agreement for the upcoming fiscal year, fiscal 2020, there will be a $71 billion drop-off in defense discretionary spending and a $55 billion drop-off in non-defense discretionary spending. Big cuts. Cuts, yeah. that, uh, cuts that really don't ever happen. Yeah. I mean, right. it would be very problematic for this, for Congress and the White House to not reach some type of spending agreement right. to at least keep funding, I mean, at the bare minimum level to what it is now. And so because the BCA, that 2011 law, is a law... The budget resolution, you've got to remember, is a tax and spending blueprint. If the House and Senate were both to, like, conference their versions and agree to adopt a final budget resolution, which they won't do, that... Mainly because they're controlled by different parties and they have different values. Yeah, that would technically set the top line for discretionary spending, but because that's not a bill, it doesn't actually supersede that BCA. So you've got to put something into a bill that the president signs... In order to raise these spending caps, right. and, and that's something that certain people are very confused about, apparently. No, it, it, it I mean, it, it's a fair point because the, as, as you said, the, the the Budget Control Act came out of the, you know, the, the last huge fight over the debt limit, yeah. you know, and the and the the super committee, the so-called super committee, um, and they, you know, their agreement was like, okay, we failed to come up with a big plan, so every year we're gonna, you know, we have these like cuts that are gonna take effect, which. Yeah. And then every year they basically say, like, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. We're raising discretionary spending right. anyway. Um, and, and I think the important thing to, like, the reason that that is sounds, like, very technical and kind of boring and in the weeds and why does this matter is because it, But it's not boring because it affects people's everyday lives. It does. Yes, yes. that's true. Um, but if you could raise that discretionary top line, which is the budget resolution, you wouldn't need Trump. Right. You right. do. Right. And that adds that additional element to negotiations over right. how much to raise spending caps by. Right. And so, yeah, the, the budget resolution, you know, left left on its own in a, in a normal universe. I'm yes. sure there's one out there somewhere. It's fiscal uh, 2022. <laughs> right. Probably. The, the um, you know, you, you're supposed to adopt a budget resolution by April 15th, and this guides all your, you know, the, your spending decisions on actual spending bills. But as you said, that's not going to happen. One, you know, they n- neither chamber is is really going to in the mood to get along with the other. Nope. Uh, on on this, and also they need to change the law, and they also need to raise the debt limit too, <laughs> which which will require legislation as well. Yes. But before we get to all that, Jen, all right. let's talk about the disaster aid. Let's talk about this disaster aid package. This is a roughly thirteen point five billion dollar uh, aid package going to. Uh, parts of the South, in particular, and Midwest, that have been just you know shellacked by by bad weather and so forth, floods uh, and, and so forth. And usually, this is a slam dunk in Congress. Well, I, I probably shouldn't say usually anymore. It 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 should theoretically be a slam dunk, or at least a layup for people who can't jump that high, like myself. Yeah. Fair. So, um, the, you know, people are in need. Their houses are flooded. Uh, there's an emergency declaration, you know, in, in several of these places. Um, the, this is no fault of, of their own, uh, you know, that they were in the path of a hurricane or a cyclone or something like that or a flood. Uh, but th- we have a problem. Uh, and what, what is the problem? Because the House, the House has passed its own version of this earlier this year. The Senate is still uh, contemplating. They're, they're debating, to use a charitable term. What, where are we with this? Yeah. 
So I think the one thing I want to make very clear before I get into like what the cluster is in Congress right now is that if you're one of the people or you know the people who are in areas that have been flooded or hit by tornadoes are receiving FEMA's disaster assistance. Like the FEMA's disaster relief account has billions upon billions of dollars in it right now. Like the people who essentially are the first responders for the federal government, like they've got plenty of funding. That's not what's going on with this bill. Right. Is no one's worried about FEMA running out of money. You're going to get her FEMA trailer. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Um, so this legislation, what it would do is kind of that like mid-range and long-term recovery money. That's right. one of the reasons that... Rebuilding levees. Yeah, and like roads that, yeah. Right. Um, and kind of looking at the bigger, how do you fix your infrastructure so next time you get hit with severe storms, you don't... Like maybe it's a bit stronger. Right. Or like maybe the road doesn't wash out. Or this the almost sounds like out. long-term planning. I mean, the federal government's version of long-term planning. <laughs> and so one of the, the big issue right now is that the House, like you said, back in January, I believe, passed like a $14.5 billion version. The Senate's version right now is like 13.45. So really in like federal money being off by that isn't the big issue right now. The big concern it's a is a rounding that, error, really, in the federal budget. I mean, right. basically, it's like pocket change to them. Um, And so anyway, there's a lot of concerns about like how this legislation treats Puerto Rico and how the administration is treating Puerto Rico. And so there's three very broad areas that Democrats have concern about. One is that they've already, following those 2017 hurricanes, we had those three really big hurricanes, two of which just went right over Puerto Rico, Mm -hmm. uh, really devastated the island, a lot of lives lost. And so we've already had one disaster relief package to sort of begin addressing that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the big concerns right now is that some of those community development block grants that HUD is sort of holding that money back from going to Puerto Rico. Democrats are very angry about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The other one is that Puerto Rico, because it's not a state, it's um, it's sort of supplemental nutrition assistance program is not kind of run in the same way that it is by state governments. Same thing for its Medicaid program. And so Democrats... These are all mandatory spendings in the parlance of our times. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Democrats really want to make sure that this legislation helps Puerto Rico bolster its nutrition assistance for its <clears throat> residents right now and its Medicaid program. Um, there's been some very good reporting um, under the Washington Apparently, Post. Jose Andres can't do it at all himself, right? He cannot, yeah. no. He, I'm sure he's trying, but <laughs> it's just not feasible. And so that's there's been a lot of really good reporting about kind of the real-life impact that the, the shortfalls in Puerto Rico's fun, nutrition assistance mm-hmm. um, and Medicaid program is having on its residents. I know the right. Washington Post sent someone down there There's a lot of news outlets who are sending people to Puerto Rico and telling very kind of heart-wrenching stories about how people's lives are just really devolving Mm -hmm. down there. Um, And like basic human dignity is essentially going out the window. Um, And so that's one of the things is that Democrats are very frustrated with the administration over the way it's addressing Puerto Rico. Um, and I know there was a closed door GOP lunch this week, as you were saying earlier. It's kind of it was like the standard practice on the Hill and Trump came up um, and he talked about a lot of things. But one of the things he talked about is that he kind of doesn't want to be giving Puerto Rico any more disaster. He's, he already gave them the towels, the, the, the paper, paper towels. towels. Yeah, yeah. He like. What yep. more could you want? Right. <laughs> I mean, one roll of paper towels that can feed a family for months. Right. 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 Uh, it, and the, so this this is like, you know, a. This is a, a bailiwick, you know. I mean, this is this is a this is a thorny issue, and it also gets into you know some of the issues that have long defined the conflict between the parties. 
But then there's also now this added healthcare issue uh, yes, that, that so might right. bedevil this, which is that uh, af- after the uh, administration intervened in this healthcare lawsuit we were talking about uh, in a previous segment, um, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, said he was going to try to t- attach an amendment to this uh, to this package that would prohibit the Justice Department from from trying to argue against you know the 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 Affordable Care Act. Now, Mitch McConnell has has performed some you know uh, procedural wizard, wizardry. Yes, he filled the tree, which uh, maybe yes. we could just do an entire two hour segment on that someday. Oh my Peter. God, can I come in and be here for that? <laughs> uh, but he he basically prevented Schumer from being or anybody else from being able to amend uh, this the, this legislation. But so it it it's likely going to pass. It it will it will well. There, there will be a procedural vote on Monday, uh, yeah. and, and we'll see where they it goes from there. They need, they need sixty for that procedural vote. So, and and but it's going to be you know dicey, and it's like meanwhile, <clears throat> you know, th- there's still problems, <laughs> there's problems to deal with, and um, we're we're not any closer. It doesn't seem to getting it solved, right? Right. I mean, I think the one possible outcome is that Democrats kind of get together and that they say, okay, we'll give them the votes on this procedural motion so that they can get to 60 and officially begin formally debating the disaster aid bill. Um, And then that Republicans could carry it over the line and they could conference it. Cool. That's undetermined. Jen, we're going to have to take it there. Thank you so much for showing up today. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome back to The Bill Press Show. Uh, I am joined in this half hour by my colleague at Roll Call, Clyde McGrady. Uh, Clyde, welcome to The Bill Press Show. Hello, it's great to be here. Jason. It is great to have you. You're, you're kind of our... Uh, um, you know our, our our senior Southern correspondent, as, as I like to, like, as, as I like to joke, uh, got because, that title bump Very because yeah, because in you lieu can of a salary <laughs> increase. I got a title bump. I'm happy. About That's right. That. You see what we did there. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it, we, but but uh, we can we can talk about uh, just about anything, uh, including politics, including yeah. sports. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like the because so much so much comes from. The South, as we know, so <laughs> yeah, man, we we fight the country's wars. We provide the country's food, uh, rap. Um, we so, do it all. It's only there. There's no there's no bread in Iowa or corn or anything like that. I'm just kidding. So one thing that I uh, we um, we had this little rally, um, a MAGA rally uh, oh, really? in, in Grand Rapids uh, okay. last night. Um, I mean, of course, Michigan. <clears throat> Michigan is one of those states that's important uh, in any presidential election, but in particular, uh, uh, President Donald Trump does know that, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania in particular provided his his margin of victory. Um, These were all states that had voted for Democrats pretty consistently in presidential elections, and he was able to win them. 
so he went back to Michigan uh, in Grand Rapids. He was uh, really uh, kind of uh, stoking the fire uh, a little bit. He w- it was a little bit of a victory lap. And Peter has a, a couple of clips uh, that, uh, if in particular, the 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 BS thing and also the Tucker Carlson thing. We just we have to get that in, Peter. The Tucker thing. All right. So let me let me first of all play a clip from the rally, right? Because he went out there and he was. Uh, very celebratory about the Mueller report. It again, talked about total exoneration, and then he all said, caps. "All caps." Uh, <laughs> and then he talked about how the, the Democrats had been coming after him, and they used the Justice Department and law enforcement to come after him. And then he sort of ends this long rant mm. by saying, the "Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bull." And by the way, that is bleeped where he said BS, but it was not bleeped on all the other uh, live television uh, shows that were carrying him. So anyway, he he has this whole um, vindictive air about him uh, post Mueller report where he wants to go after Democrats. And Tucker Carlson last night had Mark Stein, a conservative uh, writer, on. And this is how Tucker saw this rally. Uh, but you can sort of picture years. him with his, you know, boot on the chest of the vanquished mm-hmm. and a, you know, a mug of meat in hand howling at the night sky. I mean, that that's what that was, wasn't it? <laughs> a mug of mead? <laughs> this is the 1200s? What? Yeah, I, well, or or Baltimore, because they have, you know, Charm City mead is actually pretty good stuff. Oh, uh, but, good. But, but but it's it's more of a hipster thing. It's not much of a Trump thing. It's it's very much a, a hipster thing. Um, I I think that that's a really <clears throat> interesting um, uh, set of imagery that uh, Tucker is, is trafficking in. Um, I mean, you know... He he got he he sounded like he was kind of turned on. Yeah, it sounded <laughs> slightly erotic. It, it sounded like it, it sounds like he's describing like the cover of a DOA, <laughs> you know, of like shirtless man, uh, uh, foot on the chest of the vanquished, drinking from a horn of mead, <laughs> howling at the night sky with the wind blowing through his hair. Nice, nice reference on the Dio album. Yeah, like, right. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that or, or Dokken. You know, yeah, even, Dokken. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> deep cut. There's a very specific genre of metal that this image would fit into. You know, w- coincidentally, and then maybe Tucker was also watching this movie the other night, uh, the, the, I, I had a few extra minutes and uh, popped in Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, the Pen- oh. Penelope Spheris uh uh, documentary about hair metal uh, in in L.A. in the in the eighties. It's such an amazing like what you know, a time. It it, it really a was a time. There's so so much there. I get. I just have to say though, um, if we're keeping it real. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's keep it real hold right after thought, this eight oh five break. This is the Bill Press Show. All right, back to being real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if we're just keeping it real, um, if I beat a case, that's exactly how I would act. <laughs> yeah, would be like, you would strut. <laughs> Throw it in the face of all the haters, <laughs> all of my enemies who said I was guilty. I mean, he is Michael Jackson dancing on the hood of that car after they say he's not guilty. I mean, he's... I like. I didn't uh, personally catch the rally. 
Um, I was watching my bracket had a life. just explode. <laughs> you have a life. Last night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, watching uh, Tennessee and Michigan just end all of my, my hopes and dreams. Didn't Michigan <laughs> score like 16 points in it, the first half or something? It was, the score was 36 to 18 with 15 minutes left in the second half. I'm pretty sure yeah. my – actually – Yes, our, 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 my JV basketball team scored a lot more than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, typical. the stats were horrendous. Um, but, I mean, for pe- he is undoubtedly, like, having a good week. I mean, but sometimes people who oppose Trump don't like Trump. I feel like they get, like, genuinely saddened, <laughs> like, when he has good news. And I'm just like, man, give it a week. He'll step on a rake, you know, <laughs> stick his penis in a toaster or something. I mean, he can't go four days without some kind of incident. Well, I mean, look at the the thing with the Special Olympics funding, like right. stuff like that. He has so many uh, self owns and non forced errors. I just don't see why you would get upset. I mean, this is long. This right, is right. A and long lead up to 2020. I wonder what the the sort of opposite of Schadenfreude is. You know, Schadenfreude is delighting in other people's misfortunes. And there's got to be a word, hopefully, hopefully German also, that that means like you know being saddened by other people's good fortune, like as you as you just said. Because I, I think that that's that you're absolutely right. When when good things happen to Trump, even even if it's like. Just hanging out with like some college football players in the White House. I mean, that, that talk about an innocuous like moment, right? Like right, this. Right. This is one of those things. Like nobody should have a problem with this. Right. But like you know, people are like, oh, he looks like he's this. enjoying himself. Yeah. Well, I can also <laughs> tell record, you, he is way, not enjoying himself. <laughs> right. He is the most miserable person in this city. <laughs> yeah, th- I, I agree with that. He is 100%. absolutely not happy or enjoying this job. Do you at think all. he's happy at all, though? I, I mean, I wonder about that. I, not, to, I mean, not to psychologically screen the president. We're not, the, the, we're fraught we're with not peril. psychologists. But just like uh, looking how he acts, he I mean, he doesn't act like he's happy. But I mean, who knows what's going on in somebody's I, mind? I mean, the, the it, it is a like I, I was thinking about this with the with the golfing. Right. Uh-huh. That that like presidents for a long time have always viewed the golf course, you know, kind of as a, as a refuge. You right. know, um, and, and not of not everybody golfs but it seems like at a certain point you 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 know the presidents do eventually get onto the golf course mm-hmm. you know because that's just what you know powerful men <laughs> uh do and i wonder about this cuz it it sounds like you know he you know he'll go down to mar-a-lago uh, in, in particular now that it's uh you know it's, well cold weather's almost over but you know he's been going down there a lot and he's been playing a lot of golf with mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham with Mick Mulvaney uh, Kid Rock, um, uh, you know, <laughs> and 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 it doesn't sound like it's much of a refuge. It sounds like they're probably like basically lobbying him the entire time. I mean, maybe not Kid Rock. Actually, I would love to golf with Kid Rock. Uh, I mean, I, I not that I golf, but um, but it, it sounds like even that isn't a refuge necessarily for him. Yeah, I mean, if you're <clears throat> president, especially one as like transactional as Trump, people are always trying to get something from you. Yeah, right. Like they're not hanging out with him because he's like a cool dude. <laughs> what I mean, what are you saying? Like people love him. Just just ask him. Okay, you know, I should say I've never met Trump. He could be <laughs> the most awesome person ever. But generally, when you're a president or politician, like senators and governors, people when you're a person of power, people kind of just want stuff from you. And right. I can imagine that that like gets annoying. Um, always being asked for favors. But I mean, he's asking people for favors. It's just. just 
transactional thing. Yeah, I th- I think that's right. I don't think he gets annoyed by that. I think that's what moves the needle for him. I think yeah. he loves that. Loves to do deals. They, yeah, he I love the deal. They love me. I love to do these deals. I love them. Although the deals aren't as great without Mark Burnett producing. Yeah, the, right. <laughs> producing the show, I yeah. found. Yeah, right. President Deals is not so great at it when he's out there on his own. Yeah. But like you know, I, I get it, right? Like Lindsey Graham who was ridiculed by Donald Trump in the right. presidential election. I mean, absolutely dragged. Right. He gave his cell phone number out to the nation. <laughs> and Lindsey Graham goes out there and plays golf with him. Why? Because he likes him? <laughs> well, no. Lindsey will say, Lindsey said repeatedly in interviews that he does like him. I don't know how true I don't believe is, that. But... <laughs> I don't believe that. I, 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 really, I truly don't believe that. I think that Lindsey Graham sees what political moment we're in, and and that this is probably. Going I'm to running be for re-election. Good for him. Right. And he's in South year. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Where deep, they deep red state. Where they still love Trump. Right. I mean, they still love George Bush. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I, I I've wondered about this too with with Graham a little bit because because he was so close, uh, very sincerely close to John McCain. And we've got this like talk about like stepping on a rake. I mean, like the right. pre- previous week before the Mueller report um, was was delivered, I, I, I kept I keep on wanting to say the the Mueller report was the released. Memo. It really hasn't like been released. Nothing's right. been released at this point. But he spent all this time, you know, kind of criticizing McCain, and and again, just in terms of opportunity cost, like right. that's that's not the person who you probably want to spend a lot of time on. I mean, and and I I think about even the most hardcore supporters. Um, of of the president, like maybe they're like, <clears throat> there's this core group of people who are like, I will never, I will never cross him. But what about the people who are like supporters, but might be offended by that? Like people in the military, you know, people in the military tend to be fairly conservative. Like if they see like, you know, cadet bone spurs right. criticizing, you know, <laughs> a war hero, that that's got to make them think just a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit, but. I, I think they like love him. Isn't his approval ratings among the armed services like it's pretty, pretty high. high? Yeah. Like once I think once back in what was it August 2015 when he said the thing about John McCain, after he paid no penalty for that, like that's when we probably like should have known. Yeah. And um, the other thing, that, the other thing that I try and tell people is, and I, I just speaking from experience in South Carolina, people don't like John McCain there. A lot of Republicans yeah. don't like John McCain. They, they, I mean, the term rhino uh, was really brought into prominence because of John McCain. They thought he was a fake Republican. He, they, a lot of Republicans, a lot of Southern Republicans thought that John McCain was not an actual Republican. They didn't think he did enough to take the fight to Obama. That's right. In 2008. That's so right. I think some of them, you know, um, blame him for that mm-hmm. as well. I mean, they, they love Trump. They love his guy. They love that guy, but I do think because I was here in 07 at the end of the Bush years, and how toxic George Bush was to Republicans. I mean, the guy hasn't been to a Republican national convention since 2004. Right, like he's kind of persona non grata, and that was like a low point for him. But I mean, he he pissed off the larger country, and he kind of lost his base when he went with immigration reform. Right. I wonder what Trump's lame duck looks like. I mean, let's say he gets reelected and then come 2022, I think a lot of Republicans are going to be like, Donald who? Like, I've never <laughs> met this man in my life. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know who you're talking about. They're going to pretend he does not even well, exist. Our uh, our uh, friend Brandon Weatherby has said that it's just three terms minimum. 
Three, three minimum for, for Trump. He does not want this job for 12 years. Trust and me. There's there's another thing, too. Like, I wonder if, if some of this is like, I didn't want this job to begin with. I still right. don't want it. So I'm literally going to say anything I want. And just, just, I mean, it's almost like a psychological experiment. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, kind of like an office space where, you know, you know, he was just like, he, right. he, he, um, Push the 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 uh, walls down in his cubicle and yeah, yeah. and uh, and started wearing like Aloha shirts and and so forth and they just, people just loved him all the more. Yeah, I was yeah, it's not playing with house it. money. Think really. about it. Why would he start quote unquote behaving or right. acting like a normal president would? Why right. would he? Right. And his whole thing is like, I won. You didn't. Like, I know what I'm doing. What are you going to tell me? Right. Like, you're all a bunch of losers. Which no. I don't know how like how far that gets him. I mean, you've been right once. That doesn't mean you're going to be right forever. Can I just, can I play this clip from last night? Uh-huh. No, you can't. In Grand Rapids, where he <laughs> talked about his opponents. They say the elite. They're the elite. I'm not. Well, I have a better education than them. I'm smarter than them. I went to the best schools. They didn't. Yeah. See? I oh. went to the best schools. They <laughs> Wait, didn't. Isn't it? Doesn't that mean he is elite then? Like Maybe. If he, if, I mean, because I mean, is it he wants it both ways? Yeah, is it like because you know, I I could I I feel like I could deliver that line, but like, I went to Northern Arizona University. It's barely made the fourth quartile in U.S. News and World Report. <laughs> well, I like, take that personally. He's throwing shots at the University of Georgia, fine institution since 1785. Of course, it and is. Why not? 1962 when they finally started letting black people go there. <laughs> Um, I mean the the uh, let's see where did he oh he went to Penn right he he, he uh, went to Fordham and I think he transferred to to Penn, uh, Penn. Yeah. yeah and he went to like a military academy like yeah uh, bef- before that too those are the finest schools I guess um, I don't They're know I, it, it just it just seems a little it seems a little weird to say you're not the elite uh, <laughs> and you actually did go to I mean you went to an Ivy League school and Fordham is a fairly good school too you know I mean come on right <laughs> it's these uh, little asides when Trump is like really um, telling the truth I feel like then again most of his speeches are just asides actually right but this like I guess the insecurity about like a two hour like, radio broadcast people, us oh. in, <laughs> people like us in the media being mean to him you know are, are they being mean to him I don't know I mean He's, Things uh, respect, spell respect, right? Spell respect. It sounds like Tony Soprano. It is well. There's there is a weird. Um, I, I I thought about this with the you know total exoneration and like I'm you know, you know there was no evidence, no collusion, so forth. And the way that people have been attacking uh, his his critics lately, it almost feels kind of mob like. Like like of course I got off. You know what do you what are you going to do about it? You know yeah. I mean it, it it is a weird. Like grind your face. It's a sore winner, you know. Kind of. He kinda is situation. the worst winner <clears throat> I have ever seen, and I know Patriots fans. <laughs> <laughs> he he can't. He's he's like a bad winner and a and a bad loser. I mean, and his and his defenders who act like people are just so mean to him and they won't give him a chance. They act like he just showed up, right? And people reacted to him. No, I mean the first thing he says when he comes down to the elevator, Mexicans are rapists. Right. And four years earlier, he launched his entire political career political career saying the first black president is not really American. Right. He he does all of that and right. constantly antagonizes people. And then when people sometimes do overreact to him, they want to oh, God, they just won't give him a chance. They give him no credit. 
they just completely ignore how he, you know, kind of engages with, um, with the American public. Right. And it's odd. Most presidents will even pay lip service to the fact that they represent the entire country, right? right? Even if they're more concerned about their 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 base and their hardcore supporters, Trump doesn't even pretend right. like he it's isn't very talking to like versus three dudes in Pennsylvania, right? Like he understands the uh, I guess the power in drawing contrasts and kind of setting interests, making it clear what <clears throat> people's interests are and should be. And that's a politics that can, you know, get exhausting to some people, I think. It, it is. And, and one of the things that I have when I get into these sort of discussions about Trump is that I, I like to try to remind myself that Trump did not come out of nowhere. Right. You know, I mean, like, and and one of the things one of my uh, I have a lot of political buttons <clears throat> and one of the things that I uh, that I sort of have that is, is part of that collection is a George Wallace button. Mm-hmm. And. The the I believe if I'm if I'm remembering it right, um, the button says "Make America Strong Again," mm-hmm. and it's from 1968. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it just just one word different, and and I think that you know it it is interesting. I I I don't I can't remember enough about like you know my own sort of study of these campaigns of of like particularly Wallace and and people like that to remember if like the aggrievement was a part of it too but like a lot of the us versus them you know like demonizing the other like that was all there right. uh but I, I just can't i don't know if like the aggrievement was like in the same way to degree that it is with trump man i think you can go back further than that i was having a discussion with a friend the other day because he was talking about you know grievance politics is is like well that's in now and i was like when was when was it not man like <laughs> yeah. 1776 right. the country was founded on grievance on taxes politics. yeah on, the declaration of independence is literally a list of grievances right like that's it, that's how we got our start and you had the the air of good feeling or whatever but jackson completely laid waste to to that myth the era of good feeling when we still had slaves and women couldn't vote right yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah um and then you know i've i guess because i've, I've maybe been reading about the 1800s i keep thinking about andrew jackson and Steve Bannon, whatever else he was wrong about, I think he did understand it was like a a Jacksonian quality um, and, to and, Trump. And Trump is obviously very, very like, you know, uh, deliberately embraced Andrew Jackson and, right. and, his, and his legacy of, you know, being a non-elite, um, you know, throwing up open the White House to people, bringing McDonald's in for the, you know, like student and, athletes and so forth. I mean, he 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 seems to be have embraced that model and just really not caring about the restraints of executive power. That's like Andrew Jackson was obsessed with authority and not being crossed. So even if um, he was a Southerner uh, who did own slaves, he was very offended when you know South Carolina the nullification crisis. I'm sure. Peter's very, very familiar with. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, because he took it personally. He saw himself as Amer- as the state, as America. Right. Right. The Louis XIV, I am the state or whatever. Right. And Trump definitely has that mentality. Like when you, if you, you know, quote unquote attack America, you are attacking him as authority and he cannot stand for that. Yeah. No, it it is it is kind of interesting, like that the 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 question of, like we go through different, like you know, 
epochs or d- different eras, and mm-hmm. people people learn to tap into different popular um, sort of sentiment at the time. And you mentioned Bannon. Um, I don't know if, if if either of you have seen or are planning on seeing this documentary about Bannon uh, that just came out, the The Brink. It's called. I heard about. I'll this. probably watch it. Yeah, yeah I'll probably watch that. It sounds it sounds incredible. I I, I got caught. I, I usually you know try to see these like ahead of time to try to you know get on my political theater podcast or so forth. Uh, the talk to the directors, but. It was one of those things that slipped into the cracks, and I mm-hmm. wasn't able to see it. But I, it looks it looks phenomenal, uh, it lo- and it looks you know just kind of you know interesting and maybe even a little sad. Not that you want to f- you would ever want to feel sympathy for for people, but I think that that's actually the ma- the makings of a good story is when you feel some empathy for someone, even if you may not agree with them, or even if you may feel like threatened by them. Like when you can identify with somebody like Bannon, uh, right. it, It's it's a it's a really profound like sort of storytelling. But, you know, I, I was just uh, on that <clears throat> note, right? Uh, I was just having this conversation uh, the other day, and again, I don't want to psychoanalyze. Well, I don't care. I'll psychoanalyze Trump. I know you don't. You you don't have to. You're a journalist. Fridays with Doctor Ogburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a seat <laughs> right there on the couch, couch if you will. Uh, you know, if Donald Trump wasn't inflicting pain onto a lot of people, uh, I would feel sorry for him. I think that there is something. I mean, you know, look, a lot of us in some ways are products of our upbringing, right? Um, and I think Donald Trump uh, had a very weird unconventional upbringing and you hear the stories about his father and the competitive nature that he pitted the children against each other and painted his Trump's brother out to be a sort of a, a weak loser because he suffered from addiction. And Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. And that's the only thing that really matters. You know, I, I am sympathetic to someone who, uh, has an upbringing like that. Now it stops short because again he's using that and that is that is influencing the way that he governs in a way that really damages and hurts a lot of people, and so my sympathy for him only goes so far. Right. Uh, but like, but, you, but it, yeah, anybody can feel the pain of being one traumatized by your father and also traumatized by the loss of your brother. I mean, he, sure, like this is one of the very few things that Trump comes across as to me, sincere is when he talks about his brother. And vulnerable, right. yeah. And, and, and how he died, you know, I mean, and, and you know, it, it, it's a it's a pretty, it, it does, it, it's one of those things that doesn't, it does not come through very often, you know, and, and even when he's talking about like his children, uh, but when he talks about his brother, yeah. it, it gets real all of a sudden. Even <clears> taking <throat> a generation further, Don Jr., I feel like every, the subtext of every like Don Jr. tweet or whatever is, dad, please be proud of me. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah it is. I'm going to attack. I'm going to attack somebody from roll call. Uh, who, yeah, who, uh, you well, know, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Are you proud of me, Dan? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Different story. That. Um. Anyway, but yeah, as a did person see- who like carries his dad's name too, like I understand. Did, like, did you see the, what that's like? The, the Trump Junior. But Instagram you know, post? sometimes he is annoying on Twitter. Tr- right. Trump Junior. had an Instagram post. It was like some meme, and it was a fake uh, Pornhub headline that says "Orange Man." F's the Democratic Party, and it's a picture of Trump. Nice. And Trump Jr. put that up there. Like. <laughs> what if, guys, what if we have Don Jr. eventually running for office? I've thought about this a lot. I'm sorry. I think he's I mean, just as popular. I mean, he's, <clears throat> I mean, he he is, uh, are they married? Is, is, is the, uh, no, they're beautiful? not married. They're, they're not married. No, no, no. A Fox News personality. I mean, like that, that's kind of, kind of helpful when you're running in, in, you know, for a conservative 
uh, the mantle of conservative politics, right? Yeah, somebody who understands, you know, the conservative communications game. I don't know. I, it, it's interesting because I just feel like Trump is is singular in his own thing. I don't know if any of the kids, except for maybe Ivanka, you know, have their own own way of doing things. Uh, I don't like, think Ivanka know. has a constituency, man. Yeah. I don't know. Not even the handbags or whatever? <laughs> it's like it's, it would be if mm-hmm. her dad was not like um, Trump. Like I think like these, you know, New York, um, like upper middle class society women, I think is who her natural constituency would be. But I mean, her last name's Trump. They don't right. like her. It could be Kushner. And <laughs> I don't think she could relate like, you know, like Sarah Palin could. Right. Sarah Palin just had that like touch with you know uh everyday working women you know uh, no there was <clears throat> when they because they all spoke at the convention in 2016 right. Ivanka spoke and so many great even, personal even Tiffany about their Tiffany about yeah, Bar- right. Baron didn't though Tiffany spoke yeah Baron didn't speak uh uh the one with the Habsburg jaw Eric he spoke <laughs> uh and then um and, then, and Don Jr. and he killed it. I mean, he he did a he had a very good speech. Uh, if you're talking to the base, right? Right. Uh, he 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 delivered it quite well. Hmm. Also, man, George P. Bush lurking out there in Texas. Don't forget about him. Yeah, these people will be with us forever. Yes, and he's the Kennedy's. I forget. The I forget. Is he the ag commissioner or the land? He's like the land commissioner. Yeah, which is actually like there are all these weird offices yeah. in Texas. That account for really influential posts, like the railroad commissioner, the lands commissioner. These these people are are much more powerful the post, than their titles. The post sound. office. Oh, as mm-hmm. it, I mentioned earlier, I was like reading about uh, Jacksonian America or whatever, and it was talking about how powerful the post office used to be. Jackson didn't um, when he came into the presidency. There was a guy who was a postmaster general who he didn't like. He wanted to replace with his own political hack. So he promoted the Postmaster General to the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how powerful the post, the post office, office was in the 1800s. Compared to the just, Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. That has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting fact. Well, it also shows, I mean, like how, how things, you know, change is that, you know, the post office is just something that we sort of tolerate. This is how we get our Amazon stuff now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and the Supreme Court is now, this is... This is the bulwark Uh for the political parties. I mean, all these – we were talking a little earlier. All these uh, court decisions that did not go Republicans' way on health care, you know, this this week. And, you know, what do we have next week? You have Mitch McConnell setting up a vote so that he can reduce the amount of time it takes to confirm federal judges. Uh, Just just speed up the process to get those guys out there because, you know, this this is the – this this may be the 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 wall that it's you know, crazy. Sort of. I guess because of like having gridlock on like big issues, people are like, "Well, the courts, the courts, the courts, the courts," and um, it's funny how that has hap- like how that has become the battleground. Every president like installs Uses, yeah. judges. This is the right. thing that every president does, but it's also become one of the things that. Like Trump can point to as just a don't tell six, Merrick Garland that. as a, you know. oh, who <laughs> R.I.P. Merrick. Um, but it's like one of the things that he can brag about. Like I've appointed, and it's really Mitch McConnell, right? Which is ironic because he spent so much time dissing Mitch McConnell. And Mitch right. McConnell is responsible for about ninety percent of his successes. But right. anyway, um, and, and 
he's pushed so oh so they pushed through like all these judges and they're like uh, i feel like a lot of conservative base was like this is worth it we got the conservative yep. justice any replacement level republican president would do right the this, same the same exact thing. Right. thing like but now that's like um you know it's just in focus because it's about basically the only thing they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, Clyde, we're going to leave it there. But thank you very much for joining us this Friday morning on the Bill Press Show. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me, man, as always. As always. Thanks for this mug, which I'm taking with me. Absolutely. We'll be right back with Ryan Riley from HuffPost. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. I'm Jason Dick, sitting in for Bill Press. We have him uh, bound and gagged in a closet down the uh, hallway, uh, forcing him to listen to uh, this in a, on a loop. Uh, I'm joined by Ryan Riley at HuffPo. He's their senior justice reporter. We're going to talk, I don't know, maybe a little bit about Mueller <laughs> and the Mueller report. Um, uh, but uh, I, before we get into that, though, Peter, I've got I've to note, like, is it you who is responsible for having put the kind of the, the sort of emo post punk like guitar in the riffing in in the musical I, thing? Or, I, I wish I could take credit yeah, for it. I just I've always I've been fascinated by the music uh, the, the as as we get in. Uh, you know? So I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit because <clears throat> this is not necessarily my this is what we do my favorite yeah, tunage. <laughs> this is no, these are not tunes I would listen to in my car. Uh, these are non commercial unlicensed pieces right. of music okay uh because we have a podcast we have to put the podcast right. out we have a lot of production and there's stuff a like lot that. of rights at, at, at uh, issue there and there's a reason that this music is not commercialized right because nobody wants to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> so we found the most appealing of the bad music that we can use here Gotcha. Isn't yeah. like the theme from Always Sunny also like that sort of uncomfortable? I think it's like not copyrighted material. And right. It's yeah. like this generic tune you get in like iTunes or something. Or like, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's or the, like iMovie or something. It comes right. up. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the musical equivalent of iStock. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of like, I'll just buy that. You know, no, no one no one hopefully will ever think about it except for that smart Alec Jason Dick when he gets right. us on Bill Press. And that's right. Talk about, riff about the music. <laughs> the best is when we have certain guests who are like, I love that song. What is. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no, you don't. I saw them on tour, man, yeah. back in 79. Right. It's so good. You're like, no, you're just hungover. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Go there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Ryan, welcome to the show. Um, we have had uh, a week, uh, somewhat of a week. You know, last week, um, I, don't, I don't know if you were planning on doing something fun uh, with your weekend uh, last week, but whatever it was, it got blown out of the water yes. about 5 o'clock on Friday uh, when yeah. we got the word. Um, and are you surprised that, I mean, I'm, you know, we were sort of all chasing this, you know, over the weekend, and then we get this summary from the Attorney General, William Barr, of the special counsel's report. Are you surprised that we haven't seen more of this report? Because it just, it seems like it's hard to keep things under wraps, right? Yeah, but I mean, Mueller's team has been pretty good <clears throat> at that. I mean, we haven't seen any really big leaks coming out of their office. I mean, mm -hmm. everything that we've basically gotten about the Mueller investigation has come from defense attorneys mm -hmm. who are working um, in it. So, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not surprising to me that the final report's been kept under wraps because I think it is going to come out eventually. And, you know, Mueller likes to speak through these official channels and through right. indictments and through you know, um, criminal charges. So now that we're getting that final report, I think it's going to come out, you know, through the official channels. But, you know, it's important to remember here that we've only seen a few dozen words actually quoted from right. the Mueller report, um, that four-page summary that Barr put out. Um, 
you know, it doesn't go into into depth on this. And he, he he's trying to bigfoot it a little bit and say that, you know, we decided that there's not, you know, there's not um, obstruction of justice. There's not enough to indict. Right, not enough to indict. Yeah, right. that's glowing, <laughs> glowing review. Not enough to indict, just what you want right. to hear. Um, but I think that, you know, it's important to see that. I think that what Mueller was trying to do is lay this out for Congress and right. say, you know, here's the evidence and here's the legal issues around it. And Sort of just lay all the cards on the table, and and again, I I am I'm trying to remember. Um, I am old, but not that old. <laughs> like that for the for the release of of things like Ken Starr's report, the Star Report, and Leon Jaworski's report on on Watergate and so forth. I I, I mean, was they transmitted their findings? Did they do it simultaneously to the Justice Department and to Congress? I I I'm, I can't. I'm not recalling offhand. And yeah, I, I mean, the th- yeah. issue is is that they are working under a different <clears throat> set of regulations. Okay. So the the idea was that there's like sort of been some sort of pushback against them sort of going too far and them having too much right. power. Um, so these new regulations that they're operating under give basically put the special counsel. Um, which is you know different from a special prosecutor in in some ways um, under you know under the sort of roof of the Justice Department right. and there's not that independent link sort of directly to um, Congress. Now the regulations sort of lay out some different areas and what it says is that you know if the Attorney General overrules the special counsel on any legal issue that that has to be transmitted. So there's sort of you know a red flag that goes up, mm-hmm. um, but that's not the case here. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like that Mueller didn't um, offer really a um, he, it seems like he was allowed to go forth with every indictment or every um, case that he wanted to. Um, but there was this sort of tension, I think, between the special counsel's office and um, other parts of the Justice Department about um, this issue of obstruction of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, Barr wrote this 19-page memo way back before he was um, attorney general, probably, I guess, about a year ago, um, that sort of laid out some very strict rules around what he thought that, you know, obstruction of justice could actually look like. And one of them is that, you know, if there wasn't an underlying crime, he doesn't think that the president can obstruct. And if he was performing one of his constitutional duties, so that would be, you know, say firing um, the the director of the FBI, for example, if that's something that's sort of protected in his view, that couldn't be sort of obstruction. So he had this extremely, extremely narrow view of obstruction that I think there was some sort of tension with within DOJ because you have these, you know, direct Trump appointees who are in these key mm-hmm. roles now, including within the Office of Legal Counsel at DOJ, um, that have pretty restricted views on what they think obstruction can look like and basically make it next to impossible for the president to be charged, I suppose, with obstruction. If you even set aside the fact that a lot of like there's this belief within DOJ that the president can't be charged at all. Right. And I, I, I one of the things I find fascinating about these sort of debates, too, is that um, there is no law that says the president can't be indicted. This is just simply a, a, a precedent that the, the Justice Department has set up that says um, the, it, it has to either be an incredibly extraordinary set of circumstances mm-hmm. or not at all. Right. But but that that's not set in statute anywhere. It's not right. in the constitution, it's not set in statute. I mean, it's kind of like the, the you know, we we almost sort of take for granted a little bit I that that so many of the ways that we operate the legal system are not based in statute but in in sort of common law practice mm-hmm. and that that's where it gets interesting, right? And and be, and puts it into the political realm. Yeah. So Mueller, you know, probably well. Again, it, we were we were psychoanalyzing Trump in the last <laughs> half hour. We'll psychoanalyze Robert Mueller yeah. in, in this one. Uh, I mean, I I can I can't, I can't help but but think that part of his thing was like I'm just going to present what I found and I'm going to let the political system take it from there. 
I'm not a politician, um, even though everyone is a politician yeah. in some in some ways. But I'm not a I'm not an elected official. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a I'm a special counsel. I'm a prosecutor, and um, and I'm going to let the the political system take it from here. And, right. and if they want to decide that this rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, then mm-hmm. go for it. But that's not my job. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just, and essentially the reason for that legal opinion or the reason that that legal opinion is, you know, I guess I say, OK, at the Justice Department is because there <clears> is <throat> this alternative avenue. Right? right. The whole premise of that sort of falls apart if the if the if Congress can't see this actual report, because. If the president can't be charged and, you know, that information on on the underlying crimes can't be presented to Congress, what what is there, right? What do you go on? Right. right. There's nothing, there's no direction to go. There's like the president's a king, essentially. So you have to have that avenue and that, you know, avenue would be, would be Congress. Now, I mean, you know, the Senate is obviously not going to be somewhere where there's going to be, you know, an impeachment vote anytime soon, but at least that... Um, that sense of accountability, I guess, yeah. can can go through that other, you know, that co-equal branch of government. So, I mean, what we saw this week, too, on a, on a in the political realm was that Republicans have really sort of taken the torch and they're accusing, you know, um, Democrats of overhyping. I mean, to use a kind term, mm-hmm. they're, they're just saying people, they lied about mm-hmm. collusion, even though they could not have known, you know, because they were not privy to what Mueller was right. was finding. But they're they're heavily criticizing people like Adam Schiff, who's mm-hmm. the chairman of the Intelligence Committee and was the ranking member uh, when Democrats were in the minority. Um, they're really going after Democrats. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw this spectacle yesterday where Adam Schiff, uh, you know, was uh, nine, you know, Republicans or, or, the, or actually all the Republicans on the on the House Intelligence Committee demanded that he resign right. because he'd lost, you know, he'd lost them. And and it, and, and it was just like, OK, Obviously they're all huge <clears throat> Adam Schiff fans right. before this. Right. right. Yeah. They loved him before. <laughs> and now they just, you know, they just can't uh, can't can't brook this any longer. Um, but I wonder if, if we continue to not see the report, mm-hmm. is this is this something where it could go against Republicans? Because if there's this doubt that just continues to keep this in in some some part of the public mind, is is that have the potential to work almost to Democrats' advantage to say if they just keep saying like I still have I mean I'm we still need to see the report yeah like you can't talk this you I know? mean I don't know I'm a little bit of a cynic on this because I think that people are so locked into their views yeah. on this already that on both <clears throat> sides that it's sort of like a lot of it kind of doesn't matter right and who it, that advantages politically and the people who are sort of on the fence about it aren't that informed about necessarily what's the details of the Russia probe because I mean we've done some polling that shows that you know so, I mean most Republicans don't even believe that Russia interfered in the election um, a lot of Democrats uh, believe that Russia interfered in ways that they didn't, um, and uh, you know. So I think that people are, have these sort of views, and they're just sort of like locked into them mm-hmm. because it's this really intense and just you know sprawling investigation that's gone on for so long, and there's so much information about it. I mean, I mean, even I have you know trouble keeping up with some components of it and trying to remember. Okay, wait, how does this fit in? Who? What's <laughs> this name? What do they name all these Russians again? And you know the oligarchs and yada yada. Um, so it's it's difficult to you know keep up with I think for um, for your average sort of citizen sort of following this. So I don't know. I mean I think that that final report is going to shift the narrative to a certain extent because right now Republicans are sort of you know out celebrating and I think that right. that might sort of tamp it down a little bit when we actually have this laid out. Um, you know and I think there's going to be new. There's I mean it's a 300 plus page report, right? We now know that it's a nice yesterday. novel length. Yeah. Yes. It's a very, it's, it's lengthy, <clears throat> right? There was that um, recent IG report that was around like 500 pages. And that thing was like, you know, that was a really in depth, like, 
you know, so this is going to be a lot to for people to digest. Um, and I think that, you know, we don't know exactly what's in it. And I mean, it's going to have new information in there because certainly on the issue of obstruction of justice, because what Barr's letter said is that, you know, most of this information was in the public realm. So most or, or at least all, right? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. At least you know, like the 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 public was aware of what Trump was talking about when he would say, right. You know, this is a witch hunt or a hoax or yeah, whatever. or like firing the FBI director done right. in public, right? I mean, stuff that you couldn't necessarily hide, but um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be this really. I think the obstruction really is because I mean, if you look back, if like if you think about this, right? The obstruction is sort of it doesn't make a lot. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. If he had just sort of well, first of all, if he hadn't fired the FBI director for reasons that he said had to do with Russia. And then or told he, the Russian foreign minister and ambassador correct. that that's why he did it. Or just kept, <laughs> even just kept quiet about the real right. reason, right? I mean, the problem was is that Trump couldn't have stuck to, I mean, if you, you know, if we rewind back two years, over two years, uh, I guess about two years. Um, the it reason, only seems like 10. Yes. <laughs> the reason that the reason that, that letter, um, the reason that they justified firing Comey was because of how the, hey, how he mistreated Hillary Clinton, right? right? right. That's not a narrative that Trump could have really gone along with, right? right? If he had gone along with that, this is all done, like, right? right? And But if that wasn't the real reason he was being fired, clearly, because he said that in an interview, I don't think that, you know, I mean, just based on everything Trump has said throughout his entire presidency and his entire campaign, the idea that he was really upset about the Justice Department's treatment of Hillary Clinton is, is ludicrous, right? Like, so that couldn't have been the Some would say yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One could make an argument. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if they had just stuck with that, the whole different, right. whole different place we're in, and there wouldn't have been this, I mean, that investigation probably could have wrapped up, well, the investigation probably could have wrapped up. There wouldn't have been a special counsel, you know, appointed in the first place. Right. So. It's yeah. it's interesting that you, you mentioned some of the polling too. I mean, mm-hmm. and and I I have um, I'm 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 from Arizona, and I I spent about a week out there earlier this month, just you know doing some, you know, kind of work around the house, uh, at my parents' house and mm-hmm. outside of Cottonwood, Arizona. Oh, an and, actual house, not like an actual house. house. Yeah, right. an actual house. <laughs> um, and and I was struck by because I have a lot, uh, some friends out there yeah. still, and I was struck that almost no one was talking about. Like anything related to Russia yeah. and so forth. I mean, like, and and it was, I, and I don't know if this is just like you know we get into our small vortexes here, and 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 obviously this is what we do, right? Yeah. You know, like we we cover public policy and politics for mm-hmm. a, a living, and and you know, and discuss it among our colleagues and our friends and our family. Right. Um, but it, it didn't seem like very many people were all that concerned about it. I mean, yeah. and and this is what it was so striking to me about the. The healthcare stuff mm-hmm. earlier this week that 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 the president would make healthcare an issue again mm-hmm. when he could still be taking this victory lap and and as Tucker Carlson said the you know keeping the you know, do, do you have it? we got to listen to it again like let's, let's let's listen to it one more time Peter this was after Trump's triumphant rally in Michigan last night this is how Tucker Carlson saw it when he had uh, conservative writer uh, Mark Stein on the show. Uh, but you can sort of picture years. him with his, you know, boot on the chest of the vanquished mm. and a, you know, a <laughs> mug of meat in hand howling at the night sky. I mean, that that's what that was, wasn't it? <laughs> that's exactly what it was exactly like, Tucker. Exactly like that. It was exactly <laughs> that pornographic. Yeah, you just, you just think, like, you know, Tucker's like, if only it was... My chest, his yeah, boot was on. If only it was me, he was dominating. <laughs> if only, if only he was pouring his mead at all through my hair. <laughs> I mean, like this uh, is uh, th- this is not the what normal people think about, <laughs> right? I mean, like, these, are, these are sick people. Like, I mean, Very I, sick I, people. I, and you've, you've got to think too that even within, and I'm not trying to like 
stereotype what a typical Fox News listener is. Um, I, uh, you know, my, my dirty little secret is that I go on Fox News too, uh, America's uh, news headquarters, uh, sometimes on, on weekends in particular. By the uh, way, if I can just so, point out, this morning, Jay Inslee, uh, who's running for president, went on Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, and he used that opportunity to announce that he is releasing 12 years of his tax returns. We're sort of in that phase of the right. primary, right, where a lot of the candidates are releasing their tax returns, and he went on Fox News, and I, I agree with you. I think people should go on Fox News. I don't have a problem with the Democratic Party not having the debates on Fox right. News, but I think that Democrats should go on Fox News, and he did, and he said... I'm releasing my tax returns, and I'm asking Donald Trump to do the same thing. It's it's an effective way yeah. of letting people that watch Fox know that the president of the United States hasn't released any of his tax returns. And you're also not afraid to go on right. their chosen medium. Yeah. Um, and and I, but I, you know the the um, the thing that I I just was thinking like again there is no typical Fox News you know uh, consumer, but like what what were the what was the what were the people at home thinking when they when they heard Tucker Cross and talk about like a mead mead and howling at the moon? I mean, like that's just a weird like <laughs> that that may be taking this whole victory lap a little too far. Again, considering that there we still don't know what the report says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you have you read any of these transcripts from that the that the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee have been releasing from yeah. their interviews with like George Papadopoulos and and so forth? I. I Earlier this week, um, I you know I, I I got around to reading the Papadopoulos stuff, and which is like again like two hundred pages. You know these these things are not light reads, right? But I felt dumber after <laughs> after reading the Papadopoulos stuff. I mean, like this is and it it seems like this. I mean, the Republicans are thinking if we release this stuff, this will show that um, there wasn't some grand conspiracy, right. and and that that like somewhere along the line, like some intelligence officer or some law enforcement officer was trying to entrap entrap people like Papadopoulos Um, and but like this is really entertaining reading some of this stuff I mean like and and I you know again I learned a lot of stuff like the fact that um, Papadopoulos you know he I mean he 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 literally says at one point I have no idea why they hired me yeah (laughs) (laughs) I say that to Bill all the time But he's like, I wasn't. I mean, he's like, I was my all of my expertise. You know, he has a master's degree in e- yeah. econ or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of my expertise is in like um, more Middle East, Mediterranean yeah. en- energy policy. Um, he's like, I have no connections with Russia. I yeah. have no like understanding of it. And right. and like and the way that like it, uh, you know, apparently the people who like approached him with yeah. the Russia stuff, mm-hmm. it's right out of like like. A Peter Sellers spy, mm-hmm. you know, movie. I mean, it's just like a bunch of buffoons. Yeah. It sounds like. I mean, on both sides. Right. Really, I mean, the, you know. the best mm-hmm. argument I think that they have, like against collusion, is that they weren't competent enough to collude at that. Right. Point, right. I mean, like that. That was. I mean, that's a solid argument, right? That the the campaign was sort of a mess. Like they were just hiring these right. randos, um, and it wasn't that well organized. And you know, I mean, they just didn't have their ducks in a row. They didn't know really what they were doing. So that's why you have situations where the president's son is meeting with. Someone who you got an email from for, you know, some flack for some pop star that emails them about, um, yeah, the Russians have dirt on Hillary Clinton. They want to give you. Sure. Like, I mean, like, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just not that competent of a campaign at that point. Right. Right. So where is your reporting going now here? I mean, like you're, I mean, we're, we're in this weird, like limbo, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're, we're waiting for the report. Um, we've, you know, we're starting to see the last embers of the, you know, the, the kind of the victory lap stuff. Like, where is your reporting going 
on this, or do you do you just have to set it aside and 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 do stuff like you know your, this, the story that you did with uh, Jessica Schulberg about a fight over treating neo-Nazi terrorists differently from Muslim ones? I mean, do you, yeah. you just have to leave this behind at a certain point because we just don't have anything? I think. I mean, I think that we're probably mm-hmm. it's going to be within the next couple of weeks, and then we can sort of tie a bow on this. Well, actually, not that's not true because then all the House investigations will sort of launch. But I cover more DOJ, so it'll shift a little bit more to the House. So mm-hmm. I'll be you know <laughs> out of it to a certain extent. Not really. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that there's a, some big questions that are still sort of out there. We've had this two-year campaign against um, against Mueller, against the FBI, that has really done some some damage to the FBI's reputation. And mm-hmm. what the consequences of that are, I think, are, are going to be significant. Um, Chris, covered... Chris Ray has been remarkably quiet. Yes, yes. Very quiet. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I was covering a, last, uh, last year, last spring, um, I was out in uh, Kansas for a while covering this. Um, this domestic terrorism trial was these three uh, actually Trump supporters who um, right before the 2016 campaign had plotted to bomb this community of, of Muslim refugees um, and was caught up in an FBI sting, got arrested and charged with, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction crimes, you know, terrorism related crimes, hate crime charges. Um, they ended up, you know, getting sentenced to, uh, you know, 25 to 30 years in prison each. Um, but during that 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 trial was fascinating to look at the the jury selection process and they you know you had sort of this cross-section of all these different kansas residents um and a lot of them were very skeptical about the fbi and that was a topic that came up and you know said that you know you just can't you know the fbi is untrustworthy and sort of basically the stuff that you would hear on fox news that Mm -hmm. it's the sort of you know deep state conspiracy against the president bias against the president if you had told me like you know three years ago that like there is this notion that the FBI was some sort of liberal haven. I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. right? It's generally a conservative leaning law enforcement organization. They're cops. Right. They're, They're cops, cops with right? college degrees. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a lot of middle aged white guys They're, there. They're accountants They're with guns. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's uh, so that I think is going to have some consequences in the mm-hmm. long term where it's this idea of just like, you know, the FBI has a pretty, had a pretty stellar reputation, probably somewhat, probably a better reputation than given its history, it had deserved. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, pop culture was a big um, component of that. They did it an effective, you know, they're effective at marketing themselves mm-hmm. as this sort of, you know, fidelity. You I've know. taken the tour, too. Yes, you're right. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, every show, right? Uh, FBI agents is always right. a, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, so I think that that's going to have some consequences in these, in you know, in jurisdictions across the country mm-hmm. when uh, FBI agents coming in to testify in the local U.S. District Court about, you know, what have you? There's going to be that skepticism in the in the jury now, and hmm. um, you know the FBI was sort of this or an organization that people could point to and and sort of trust, and that's not necessarily the case anymore when you've you know had this two year campaign saying that it's this deep state cabal, right? Yeah. And and I I mean I think that it it is it is very easy to think like you know we're really going down some treacherous you know ground here mm-hmm. um and and th- but the you know we also know too i think just as you know as as historians as or as amateur historians that like the, there our society goes through these periods of time where they where there's some you know just some bad <laughs> there's yeah. some bad mojo you know we've fought a civil war you yeah. know like we've we've gone through jim crow right. you know we we've, we've survived watergate uh, and things like that and and i just it feels like we are in a trough right now <laughs> in terms of our trust in public institutions. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're absolutely right that the FBI is a, they may have not deserved the stellar reputation <laughs> that they had. You know, they always have somebody good looking, you know, playing an FBI agent in a right. movie, right? Um, but the, the 
know, this is J. Edgar Hoover's. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, it's his organization. Yeah. I mean, they, they, so, um, but actually, the, Comey, when <clears> he was still um, FBI director, I was at a roundtable and I, I, you know, the show Quantico was on at that point, and he made some joke that it made us look a lot more um, diverse and attractive than we actually <laughs> are because it was less just like, you know, plethora of all different, you know, right. people of different backgrounds. And it's like, no, it's a lot of white dudes. It's a lot of white dudes in the FBI. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. One, one of the shows that I'm, I'm almost wrapped up is, is Hannibal. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, wrapped a couple of years ago, but like that does not paint a very good picture of the FBI. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting. It, it is a it, it shows it as a very compromised kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, in the coming weeks, I really hope Ryan that you get uh, a little bit of of rest. Yeah. Uh, I hope that there isn't a Friday news uh, <laughs> news, on wood. news yeah. drop like, <laughs> like like we had. But uh, yeah. what are, what are you uh, what what should we look to for at HuffPost with your what you're working on uh, in in the coming days though? What should we look for? Yeah, I mean, I think that following the <clears throat> Mueller thing will be a big uh, thing. Also, we're going to do some more on um, domestic terrorism because I think that there is this um, debate right now, sort of in the wake of New Zealand. Um, and with you know Repub- or with uh, Democrats now in control of the House about whether or not there needs to be um, some more legislation on um, on domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to charge domestic terrorists as terrorists right. under the law, and I think that that's something that we might see some more of a debate unfolding in 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 future days about whether or not there needs to be a change in the law there. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for spending part of your Friday morning. No problem. Uh, and you brought your little assistant. Uh, I did. With my, you. Yeah, Zoe's <laughs> out there. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. You can follow uh, Ryan on Twitter at Ryan J. Riley and his stuff on HuffPost. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. And thank you very much for spending part of your Friday morning with us uh, at the Bill Press Show. Bill Press, we will untie him and ungag him uh, from the, the uh, closet down the hallway. Uh, hopefully they'll let me come back some other time too. Thanks again. This is the Bill Press Show.